Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobster. Thank you so much for joining me in another episode of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. I've got a fantastic show for you again today. Before we jump into today's show, just a reminder, all of our episodes uh, can be accessed at CashflowNinja.com. There's over 820 episodes there between Cashflow Ninja, Cashflow Investing Secrets. There's tools, resources, programs there. And don't forget to grab a copy of my new book, The 21 Best Cashflow Niches. Uh, creating wealth and the best alternative cash flow investments. You can grab this on Amazon. Uh, when you do grab a copy of this, just screenshot a copy of your receipt and send it to my team at infocashflowninja.com and we'll give you access to a digital version of the book, audio version of the book, and a curated library of these interviews that I cover and wrote the book on. So that's on Amazon or cashflowninja.com forward slash 21 niches. I'm excited to jump into our episode today. I've got Hervé Francois with me. Fantastic, fantastic guy that I've um, got to know over the past uh, year or so. And we've done some projects together, working on our current project. So I've really uh, enjoyed working with him and uh, seeing all the value that he creates in the space of real estate. Hervé, welcome to the show. MC, thanks so much for having me on your on your on your show today, man. Really excited, pumped up to be here, man. Let's awesome. Do this. Now, for yes. folks that don't know you and they don't uh, know about your background, could you please share a little bit of, of who you are, what you do, and in, in, in your background and your journey with them? Absolutely, man. Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. Oh man, my journey. Uh, I won't go back from where I started, started at the very beginning, but I mean, I think relevant to, to this show. So before getting into real estate, perhaps I start there. I had a 23 year career on wall street, right? I mean, um, and I did not come from a family of wall street honchos. I kind of stumbled upon it coming out of graduate school, um, and, and found my way. I was real green. I let everybody scream at me at the same time and say, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. And you're going to earn, learn everything you learned at business school and all. I mean, so, um, but you know, uh, once my ship kind of got straightened out, I was like, I think I can do this. Um, and so I really, um, worked hard and became a financial analyst covering technology stocks, um, specifically to sector called electronic manufacturing services. So companies like Apple, they don't make their own iPhones. They outsource the manufacturing. I was that analyst covering those companies that did the manufacturing and things like that. So um, if you want, you know, that analyst would be that that person that would show up on CNBC, you know, in the morning sometimes and you ask, hey, what do you think about Amazon at these prices? You know, kind of a thing. And then I'd be the one answering that question, talking about the stock. So I did that for about 12 years on the street, um, did analysis and uh, stock price projections, talking to um, portfolio managers at mutual funds and hedge funds. And then about halfway through my career, I switched into institutional sales. So now I was calling portfolio managers at mutual funds and hedge funds, 
but I was calling them on the stocks that our other research analysts were covering. So if MC, you were covering, let's say, oil and gas stocks, I'd say, well, MC's making a big call on Exxon today, and he upped his price target to $200 type thing. So you know, I was that guy, um, and I did that for my last 11 years uh, on Wall Street. So amazing time, met great people, uh, rode the wave up and down. I was part of that tech bubble and burst and everything else like that, uh, made it out. And uh, after a while, a lot of good things come to end. And that's what happened to me. Um, as a matter of fact, I put a post up on LinkedIn the other day that's gotten a heck of a lot more views I would have ever expected. I didn't put it out there to get views, but it was kind of like a five-year reflection, like where have I been? What have I done? And sure enough, it was five years ago this month that I got laid off at my last Wall Street job. Um, and the funny thing is, I always had an interest on, in real estate, but I knew I couldn't do it as a side hustle. Um, I had to commit to learning, educating myself, but I didn't jump into real estate right away, right after I got laid off. I was that mouse on the wheel. I got back on that train the next morning, went back into Wall Street looking for the next job. I did that for six months, hitting the pavement, pounding on doors and whatnot. Had some good interviews, always meeting good people. And then it was kind of like an epiphany. And I'm like taking a train home, another hour and 15 minute ride. Um, and I was like, wow, if I even if I do get a job on the street, do I want to do I want to do this again? You know, and the answer was no, I didn't want to do it again. I mean, I was, I think just mentally, physically burnt out. I'm like, honey, no, no better time than the present for me to really, really ramp up my education about real estate. And that's what I did for the next, I would say nine, 10 months. It was reading books and podcasts and bigger pockets and uh, networking, meeting with people and so on and so forth. And so I met up with some of the team members, the guys that I currently work with, Matt Faircloth and Justin Fraser, I met them at our local RIA meeting because that's where uh, we all belong to the same RIA meeting. Justin was the head of the RIA meeting at the time. And uh, Matt and I just kind of kicked it off. We spoke at the year-end holiday party of the RIA meeting. And at the time, um, you know, DeRosa was looking for someone to sit in the seat of acquisitions. And I, I told him about my background and you know, the research work that I used to do and stuff like that. And it was really about, hey, listen, we're looking all over the country for opportunities and deals right now. We don't need to be. We need to really go ahead and focus and target where we're going to look. You know, would you like to come on and be our acquisitions guy? And I was like, who, me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm your guy. You know, so because at that moment for me, it was, do I go at it alone or do I go ahead and join a team that's kind of been there, done that, but at the same time, pretty much getting in at the ground level on their multifamily practice, which was just getting started the rules at the time. So that's a long answer to a little bit of background, but I just wanted to kind of frame that for you. No, that's great. Wait to some of the other things. Yeah. Yeah, that's great because that that really gives everyone a good idea. And one takeaway there immediately already is, you know, playing at the level that that you're playing, you know, if you you could have and this is how most people think. They think they need to do everything by themselves, right? Right. But right. educating yourself, right. I mean, you could just see the steps that you took. Educating yourself, investing in yourself, yes. adding a skill set, adding knowledge base. It all starts with you. Then you kind of expanded into your network. You grew your relationship capital. You went to real right. meetings, which there are great folks at, at these real estate events. And I always say this to folks, go to your local meetups. Go to go your to local, local meetups, meetup. It's exactly. incredible the people that are really there, is. and there are very successful folks there too, still doing it because they're they, they're they're looking to give back. They're looking to mentor, or they're looking to find talent. Right? That's right. So, Absolutely. 
Yeah. So you did that. And then um, realizing too, that epiphany, you could do this alone. And this is where most people, right. that's what they do. They go it alone right. and Ugh. then they're stuck, you know, with, uh, with smaller deals that time suck, very right. heavy and hard lessons. Yes. I know yes. because I, I went, I was there. <laughs> right. I know. Right. I could speak from we experience. over there. We all were um, there. But I mean, go alone. Yeah, you can go faster. I mean, I butcher quotes. It's what I do. It's one of yeah. my one of my skill sets. But there's essentially a quote: "You could go faster by going alone, but you could go further going together, further, folks. Together, and being part yes. of a a team full of A players that's right. playing at a very high level, uh, doing big things. Right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then that's exactly what it was, man. I mean, that during that time, I was thinking about going at it alone. I went in and flipped a house. It was a disaster. I never want to flip a house again. <laughs> it was it was just hair pulling, you know, lost money on the deal and so on and so forth. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do the actors part of real estate. Listen, there are people out there that flip houses. They're doing very, very well for themselves. But yep. it, it, it wasn't my cup of tea. It's not where I wanted to go and, and take my education, my learning, my excitement to the next level. I realized it was really just about passive income, cash flows. That's where I was excited. You know, everyone has... Are, are at different points in their financial life, so to speak. And that's yeah. where I was, where it was like, I don't, I don't need to do actives. It's not what drives me. I really want to focus on the passives. And so that is really, it was, it was a nice bridge to joining Matt's group, which was really also just, again, like I was saying before, taking out, taking off and really focusing on their passive start of the business. Matt used to do a lot of flips himself over yep. here in New Jersey started getting into bigger and bigger, uh, you know, multifamily deals. And so that's what I, where I wanted to focus, but you're right, man. I mean, um, I, I, I felt there was an opportunity for me to learn so much more joining the DeRosa group, working with good, good people, good guys. Um, you know, we have fun, but you know, we bust our, you know, what as well, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and we have a good time doing it all the while having an opportunity to give back. So that is what really, really drives me, um, uh, not only in real estate, but to be part of this team. And the mindset is, is huge, too. The shift of the Wall Street mindset is a little bit of a very competitive, very yes. individualistic. Yes, you're yes. part of a company and grew, but it's very individual focus, a little bit of scarcity, too, because there's yes. always that, is this going to be the day that I'm getting that thing slip or yeah. something's going to happen? Uh, Absolutely. Then you could take it over into abundance by, you know, partnering with folks too, right? Right, 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 right. No, you know, it's 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 kind of interesting because in Wall Street, I mean, let's be real, man. A lot of the people that work on Wall Street, a lot of cookie cutter folks, and I met some great people on Wall Street, some that I can call my friends today. Amazing, amazing, bright individuals. Don't get me wrong, but a yep. lot of them are cookie cutter. You know, my dad worked on Wall Street. My grandfather worked. My uncle worked on Wall Street. You know, got the hook up there and the job here and everything. As you know, MC, in real estate, especially you start going to these real meetings, like you were saying, you are meeting people from all walks of life, man. Yep. You are meeting contractors, engineers, nurses, bankers, brokers. Um, I, I, mean, I mean, truck drivers. I mean, you just met some people are doing real estate on a full-time basis, such as myself, other people doing real estate as a side hustle when they get home from work at yep. six o'clock at night. I mean, just all walks of life. And I was like, man, this is amazing. You just don't know. Cause you know, some one, one guy's wearing a 
pair of wingtips and other guys wearing construction boots. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> and, and, and people are talking about their deals, they're networking, they're asking for money, they're lending money, um, they're, 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 they're meeting with, with, with lawyers, they're meeting with high money, uh, with hard money lenders and with high net worth people, accredited investors and so on and so forth. So it's a full, full gamut. And I was like, yep, yep, I belong here. Yeah, these are, these are my people. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. And if you want to know what's going on in the economy, like you said, you go to these meetings and you talk to oh. people, you don't have, I mean, you will get a real feeling of what's going on. You don't yes. need to watch the news to figure out if there's inflation. Talk to a contractor that's buying stuff and building Absolutely. stuff and ask him yeah. or her, hey, right. what's going on? What's going right. on with inflation, right? Yeah. So you get Absolutely. actual boots on the ground knowledge by speaking to these folks that are involved in so many different uh, facets and different niches. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So you took your skill set as an analyst and you added the real estate knowledge and added added that. um, And then you did what you love to do, analyzing markets and hunting markets. markets. You're a market hunter. So what are some of the things that you look for in a market? If there's a checklist, what what markets do you try and stay away for? Uh, or from rather, um, yeah. What 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 makes a good market for you? No, listen, it's a great question, MC. And and, and, you, and you said something interesting in regards to borrowing from my research skills on the street. And anytime I researched an industry, um, a stock sector on the street, it was always a top-down analysis. And that's the same thing that I used in researching markets for where the DeRosa Group was going to be targeting their multifamily acquisition uh, portfolio. And I pretty much just had two mandates for them. Number one, uh, we did not want to be in a primary market. Um, and then um, number two, um, knowing that we wanted to be kind of like in the South, Southeast. So that was pretty much it. So when we talk about primary markets versus secondary markets, we didn't want to be in a primary market. We know that we want to be in the secondary market, primary versus secondary, the primary markets, your big metro cities. When you start talking about Charlotte, Atlanta, um, uh, Dallas, Phoenix, and so on and so forth, right? These are the big heavy markets where a lot of investors have come, um, competitive, competitive pricing, a lot of opportunities. People have gone into those markets, made a lot of good money, right? Both the, the, the sponsors as well as their investors. But for who we are in our size, it's not where we wanted to go. You just felt that it was too competitive, compressed cap rates, and so on and so forth. We prefer the secondary markets. So um, what were we looking for in secondary markets? And in regards to the other mandate in regards to South, Southeast, um, really because of the more landlord-friendly environment that those regions bring versus being up here, in, for example, in a state like, like, like New Jersey. So what did I start to look for? And there's really no secret sauce, MC, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but it was population growth, it was job growth, rent growth industry diversification, job diversification, and so on and so forth. Also making sure a lot of people don't talk about this. Are there good property managers in those markets that we're looking to invest? Because we know that we were not going to be vertically integrating and starting our own in-house property management team. You'd be surprised how much of a big difference that makes. We even learned the hard way. You can have great numbers. You talked about underwriting earlier and stuff like that. You have the wrong property manager. DOA, dead on arrival. It's not going to happen, right? For neither you nor your investors. So, you know, it was, um, you know, with, with, with that as the backdrop, 
that's so those are some of the metrics that I use to go ahead and start targeting, you know, some of these secondary cities um, that uh, we, 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 we wanted to think about where do we want to plant our flag and pursuing multifamily acquisitions. And uh, there's a lot of cities, there's a lot of markets that can fill up those um, those qualifiers very, very well. And we didn't need to have a bunch. That's a good thing about us. We don't need to go after 10 cities. We don't have to go after seven cities, right? We just need a few cities where we know that there's a lot of opportunities because once we commit to a market, once we commit to a city in a particular market, man, we are all in in going in there and now developing relationships with brokers, with contractors, with property managers, um, and so on and so forth. And I think because we've had that focus over the past several years, it's helped us extremely well going after the next deal, the next deal to the point where now we have deals coming to us from those brokers because they know that we commit and that we're serious when we say that we're interested in in, in looking further and doing a little bit more um, digging, that this is a deal that they, they know that we can potentially close on because we have a very good hit rate, I believe 100% hit rate on deals that we close on, that we bring on and whatnot. So the, the relationship building, I cannot emphasize enough um, how that has been absolutely instrumental to us growing in both Lexington and Winston-Salem. And those are the two markets right now that's a lot of our focus. Winston-Salem in the market called the Piedmont Triad, we are interested not only in Winston-Salem, Greensboro, which is 25 minutes east. Um, again, both Winston-Salem, Lexington, two cities um, you know, that no more than 350,000 in population, two to 3% um, population growth, um, both looking at uh, rent growth, Winston-Salem, 15%, Lexington, 9%, um, job growth of 5 to 10% over the next couple of years um, and things like that. And none, none of those cities have one industry that drives the economy of that particular city. So these are, it's not Orlando, Right, tied to tourism, it's not Las Vegas tied to uh, you know entertainment and and and, and casino. It's fun time in those cities, but not necessarily for us for multifamily uh, deals. So that's that's kind of the backdrop of you know, how we think about uh, pursuing the markets and the markets and why we go into the geographies that we do. Yeah, and I think like to add to Winston Salem, and maybe you could speak speak to this. So. The uh, DeRosa Capital Eleven is, of course, the the one project that we did together uh, yes. last year in in that market. And I mean, you have assumptions about a market, and you look at that, yeah. you analyze the data, and so forth. But maybe you could share a little bit how this actually played out because I was just uh, very, very, uh, you know, just incredibly um, impressed, but with just how this actually played out and how the deal developed because all the right things were in place for this yeah. market. And then the yeah. property man- manager, but maybe you can maybe you can speak to that too uh, of, of yeah. what's been going on there because uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been an incredible uh, home run that it's that it's, it's the gem of the portfolio. We're loving DC eleven. The residence is at Diamond Ridge. I went down to Winston Salem, um, you know, and you know I probably should have said this before. You know, you know, you, you got to get out of your seat. I mean, this is great analyzing on the internet. You know, I'm sitting in front of a desktop here, analyzing on the internet about markets. You can find all kinds of data, all kinds of metrics or whatnot, but you got to get out of your seat, go into those markets, meet those brokers, meet those property managers. I mean, that's how you shake hands, take them out for coffee, lunch, whatever it might be, and so on and so on. So I did that in February of 2020. It's right before the pandemic broke out, really, right? Not knowing that it was going to break up the way that it did. But 
Went down there February 2020, had a slew of meetings over a three-day period with a bunch of brokers and some property managers and whatnot. As you know, we're based up here uh, in New Jersey. I went down there, you know, exchanged the business cards, a lot of coffees, a lot of lunches, and so on. So I even went to a local RIA meeting down there um, in Winston-Salem at the time just to meet with some people and let them know what we were pursuing, what we were doing and things like that. And MC was just a home run, man. I mean, they really, really, obviously I set up these meetings ahead of time. And I think that's why they were more open to to answering the phone and knowing that we were coming down versus, hey, I'm sitting up here in New Jersey. Can you, you know, put me on your wish list of deals, especially any off-market deals? Uh, click, right? I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. And so, um, you know, we committed to Winston-Salem once we did the study of the market that showed really, really good growth across the board on those metrics that I was talking about, population, job, rent, good industry diversification. We love the area that we were looking into, particularly the residences at Diamond Ridge, literally seven minutes from downtown Winston-Salem. So it's an absolute great location. Um, And we, you know, kept on just talking to people, man. I mean, once I got there, I was on the street. I'm talking to people at the hotel that I'm staying at. I'm talking to the Uber driver, right? I mean, I'm just talking to people that have been living there and they're like, oh man, Winston-Salem has changed like crazy over the past 10 years. And there's so much more growth coming and they're turning this around. So from the residences at Diamond Ridge, you can see the AAA ballpark, right? That it's just on the outskirts of downtown Winston-Salem. Wake Forest University is 10 minutes away. That's one of five universities in the area, um, which is uh, bordered around uh, an amazing incubation development called the Innovation Quarter, which is a collaboration between the city of Winston-Salem and Wake Forest University, where you have all these tech companies and bio uh, tech companies um, that employ over 3,000 people and so on and so forth. So um, you have a lot, a lot of activity going on. And this property just happened to be mismanaged. It was just just really, really poorly mismanaged. Um, the owner had only owned it for two years. Um, he had the wrong property manager on the team. Um, and I came back to the team, you know, Matt and Justin and the rest of the guys. I said, hey, this is the one, fellas. This is the one. We got to make this one work. This is the one that we got to go. And, you know, the underwriting and we, we, we made it work. We made it work right now. Uh, was it smooth sailing and up to the right the entire time? Absolutely not. Stumbled along the way, got into disagreements with the seller, you know, tried to retrain and problem with the roofs and the pool and all this other stuff. But we dug in. I mean, there was one time we got on the contract on this one in April of 2020. In the summer of 2020, we were thinking about backing out. We didn't back out. We dug our heels in. And we went through it closed in October 2020, as you know, um, uh, with your assistance. So we always appreciate that, man. And I got to tell you, like I said before, the gem of the portfolio, an absolute home run, um, this this thing. And much better than expected. We were talking about it today at our internal meeting. Um, this property is currently hitting year four pro forma numbers since October 2020. We've raised rents six times already. Um, the original two bedroom, one bath was going for $580. Now it's at $920, uh, painted over 18 buildings, brought in LED lights, got rid of trees and shrubberies, got rid of crime on the property, drug dealing on the property by hiring cops to go ahead and patrol the uh, the property at night, paying them overtime and so on and so forth, brought in a brand new property manager, which, oh, by the way, was the property manager that I met with when I was down there in February, 2020, I met it with the CEO of the property management company. And he's like, Hey, listen, anytime, you know, you guys are going to come down here. We love for, for you to give us a shot at managing one of your properties. Here's the thing. 
the property manager at the time um, that was being used by the owner, we knew we were going to get rid of that property manager. Unfortunately, they had a very bad reputation in town, right? So that was the easy call. We had our sights set on going with another property manager that is known for their very, very good reputation, known for managing properties that are class A, class B properties. We came, they, they came in, did the due diligence, did the work and the numbers and everything else like that. And when we saw their report after the due diligence, they were like, hey, you know, we see your guys' CapEx budget. If you want us to manage this property for you, you're going to have to darn your double that CapEx. We're like, what? I mean, it just, it was just a very, what they were thinking about taking a property to was not where we were thinking about taking a property to in order to generate those nice returns for the investors. They wanted to take this classy property because we're value-add investors. They wanted to make it a full swanky thing. I don't blame them. That's who they are. That's what they do. Yep. But it's not what we were looking for. I called up the CEO of that property manager I met in February 2020. I said, hey, Matthew, this is our situation. We'd love to give you guys a shot. And it's been a marriage in heaven since. Um, so it's, it's uh, look, there, there's, there's a, little, a little bit of luck in that, a lot of hard work <laughs> uh, in it, um, uh, and commitment and drive and all of that. But listen, the work um, from Wall Street paid off. Um, we went together. Um, uh, because we were together, we went further <laughs> rather than faster. Right. right? Um, and, uh, and, and we want to go ahead and replicate that for the next deal and the next deal and the next deal. There's a lot, a lot of great stuff that you just shared. The first thing that you said is, you know, you got to get out. You got You got to take action. Out. And it's funny. I think, you know, it, it, there's a there's someone that shared the story, and I always like to give credit to folks who shared the story, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. But it was essentially, you know, like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak's Apple story. You can yeah. be in your garage for three to five years, but at some stage, you got to get out of that garage to build that out. business and get out. That's it. Right? That's it. That's so, right. Same That's thing with real estate investing. You got to get off your behind. You got to get into the marketplace because it's people. It's people. That's people. it. Um, and then the other thing that you also shared, uh, which is very powerful, is knowing the game that you're in. You know, oh, yeah. C plus multifamily is the game, and 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 where where we're playing, um, right. it's not A and it's not B. Knowing right. and understanding exactly the product that you're going to take to the marketplace as a real estate in, uh, investor, which is right. your business, that's your product. Yep. Knowing yep. your product and then knowing the buyer of your product. Those yep. basic, it, the basics never go away, right? It always stays yeah. there. That's it. All the time, man. All the time. You're right. It's knowing the market, knowing the assets. You got to be disciplined. You have to be disciplined. Let's be real. I mean, in October 20 or in April 2020, when we started doing the work on this and, and the contract and stuff like that. And by the way, the deal came from a broker that I met in February 2020. Right. Yep. The property manager is from the property management uh, head of the company that I met in February 2020. So you got to get out of your seat. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. We we, we knew you got to stay disciplined. The market was not as hot as it is today, two years ago in April of 2020. Yep. So if you didn't think about being disciplined back then, you know, God almighty, you better be disciplined today. Or you're going to just get completely overrun because prices, as we all know, have gone through the absolute roof. Um, 
you know, last year alone, a couple of weeks ago, we were kind of doing a year of review, 2021, our team. Uh, we underwrote 270 deals last year, 270 deals. We closed on three of them, just three, right? Now we sent letters of intent um, across the board. I think on average, we were sending out about four to five letter of intents per month, right? So, you know, close to 50 LOIs that were sent through last year. And out of those 50 LOIs, you know, we closed on three deals. Um, but those 50 LOIs is, you know, and it wasn't for lack of trying again, 50 LOIs, but it was, oh, you know, your, your, your numbers aren't high enough, or you're not, you know, putting in enough for CapEx and so on. And so, you know, you know, and so it was like, Listen, guys, we can't force it. We just can't force it. Uh, we were getting outbid like crazy last year. So um, it's it's so people like, well, how do you break that rut? Right. You probably hear it a lot yourself. Oh, where am I going to find my next deal? It's hard for me to find my next deal. Where do I get the next deal and so on and so forth? I had this call with a person who, um, you know, uh, through a friend of mine, they said, oh, we're looking for deals in these four cities. Um if you see deals come from these four cities, can you go ahead and send to me? Sure, I can go ahead and send to you. Now, one of the cities that they were looking at was a city that we're not investing in, but I get deals from the broker that that has listings in that particular city that we don't focus in. Yeah. So anytime I would get a deal from this broker, I would send it to this person. Hey, you know what? Here's a deal from the city that you're interested in investing in. I'm sending it to you. I was doing this Oh man, it was four or five times a week last year. No big deal. Just four, four, four. And uh, she called me. She's like, oh, she emailed me. She, hey, listen, you mind if we have a quick call? Yeah, sure. Call her. What's going on? How's everything? You know, if you guys, and you closed on any of those deals I've been sending you. No, we haven't closed on anything. I said, why not? I mean, I'm sending you guys a lot of deals. What's going on? You know, uh, well, you know, things are overpriced and my underwriting, you know, the cap raises are too small. And, and I said, okay, time out, time out before we get into the numbers and everything else like that. I said, have you gone down to this city and met with anybody? And she said, no. I said, there you go. Here's your problem. Right. I said, you are, they're not sending the deals to you. They're sending the deals to me. You're going ahead and underwriting, and some of them look good, and some of them don't look good. And so that's the biz. We know that, right? But are you getting out of your seat? Are you going down there? Are you meeting with these brokers? Do these brokers know who you are when you're submitting an LOI? Because if they don't, most likely they're not even going to open up your email. They don't even know you. They don't know if you can close. So, you know, you you you, you really... This, this 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 is this is this is relationship business it's relationship building it's patience it's a long it's a long sales cycle um you you got to buy in and you you got to be in the trenches and you don't want to be in the trenches alone the one thing we haven't talked about is understand the people that you're working with strengths and weaknesses positive and negatives yep do we just all agree to agree for agreement's sake or do we bounce off each other do we agree and we disagree and, and so on and so forth? I get into verbal spat with my partners all the damn time, you know, and we just kind of go at it and whatnot. But they know me like that and they expect, almost expect me to be like that. And sometimes I'm a little bit more on the abrasive side because I've got not much of a filter and a shorter. But at the end of the day, they respect that. And I think because of that, as a team, that makes us so stronger. I think for her, when she was submitting those LOIs, she was working by herself. Nobody yep. was checking her. 
no one's telling her anything. So yeah, long-winded answer, but I, I just wanted to make sure you got that. No, absolutely. Very. And that's the strength too, is the underwriting. It's a differentiator. How do you differentiate yes. yourself to get the deals? Uh, lots of lessons there. 270. 270 properties were underwritten, right? Yes. And yes. Three deals yes. out of 200. So this is a lay. People think, oh, they. I saw five properties and I made an offer on three, and now I'm buying one. It, well, <laughs> folks, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. No. Uh, when doesn't. you're trying to get the best deal, so this is great insight because you're hearing now. The, these are cash flow ninjas. This is what they do. This is not that's right. Warrior stuff. So no, 270 no. properties underwritten, and um, one of the things that I appreciate of the team is that uh, how it's underwritten too. These are not, these are very, in, these are underwritten. Let me, let me rephrase this. Uh, my thoughts or, or, or order it correctly. This is written and underwritten for the time that we are at, at the market cycle. So I see yes. a lot of deals that come in <laughs> and I, and, you know, I almost like joke and said, you know, some of the f- deals that I'm seeing the way that they're underwritten, I'm like, this person is never, seen like a full cycle yeah. through because i'm like you're gonna right. underwrite a deal like that you probably right. haven't been through 2008 2009 no. um, <laughs> right it's not it's not, it's not uh, eager beaver like it, like very excited it's only going one way kind of kind of underwriting you have yeah. to underwrite it for the time you have to be very conservative you have to understand the risks that are out there and then you have to That's figure it. out the play um a longer time horizon of holds are great right now too from, from an underwriting perspective, because it gives you wiggle room if there are bumps, uh, if there's if there's something happening in the, in the right. general market. And then also right. it's a great inflation play, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you, 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 you know, MC hit some really good points. And the thing with the underwriting, with the, the, the way that we approach it is, is exactly what does the property look like today? Um and what can we do to the property to add value to it? Because as you know, we're value-add investors. How can What can we do to go ahead and reposition it? We're not going to take into consideration if that, if that particular market has very strong demographics um, and strong variables like I was talking about before. We hope that it, it does uh, and so on and so forth. But hey, what if rent growth in Lexington doesn't grow 9% this year? What if it doesn't grow 15% this year? Um, how, how, what effect does that have on our model? There are in, you could, you have to control what you can, and that's all you can do is control what you can. You cannot control the external factors such as, uh, interest rates, you know, rising or, or, or lowering, um, uh, or, you know, what happens to the price of oil and, and, and things like that. Guess what else you can't control? You can't control labor shortages and material shortages. But I'm telling you something right now, if you're buying a 100-unit apartment complex today and you plan on renovating renovating 100 units this year in 2022, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yep. So what didn't you do in your underwriting? Now, you may have this as a five-year hold or a 10-year hold. What didn't you do? You didn't take into consideration the true labor shortages in this market, the true material shortages in this market. We're yep. seeing it live, right? Yep. We're seeing it across our properties. Right. When a maintenance guy can turn around saying, well, you know, last year I was making twenty two dollars an hour. Today I can command twenty nine dollars an hour. Boom. How does that affect your underwriting all of a sudden? Right. Right. So um, did you bake that in? Did you put in any kind of cushion and so on and so forth? So these are the things that you you have to 
be able to account for. You have to be able to see. We talked about earlier, if all that is happening to your numbers is that they're going up to the right every single year, your grant growth, your NOI, your expenses are coming down, you, 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 you're, you're in for um, a, a rude, rude awakening, you know? And so um, we underestimate on revenues and rent collections all the time. We overestimate on expenses. We have a big reserves on a per unit basis for our property. Um, we do take into consideration what impact the pandemic is having on that property. If you're going to think the pandemic didn't have an impact on apartment complexes last year, you're out of your mind. We know about the eviction moratorium. We know about rental assistance because people were getting laid off or they had to shift their work from full-time to part-time, right? All of this stuff impacted. So if you underwrote your deal in 2020, you know, did you have any of that impact in 2021? And it's okay if you didn't, but make sure you have cushions somewhere in your model. And like we were saying before, not that it's going all up to the right. It's only to, for the benefit of you. And it's also for the benefit of your investors. Because once you start scrambling, trying to look, oh man, where can we make this up? Well, let's dim the lights a little bit or something like that. You know, um, yep. Let's get rid of a particular, you know, let's get rid of a leasing agent. Okay, well, how's that going to help fill up the, 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 the units and so on and so forth? This is where you wind up getting into problems and stuff like that. Are you covered for enough insurance? Right, tornadoes, hurricanes coming, you know, in June and December. I mean, they're all over the place. You know, all right? kinds I mean, of stuff. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. So, so yeah, no, we we it it makes us sleep more comfortable at night knowing that we have gotten a lot of conservatism in our model. It's happening right now for the deal that we are currently involved in, and because of that. We're already beginning to see rents improve on this deal that we're currently involved in, yet we haven't even closed on yet. Yeah, let's talk about that because we're involved in this is one of the biggest projects I've been involved with and pretty exciting oh, yeah. stuff going on. Which, yeah. uh, uh, it's got a lot of uh, amazing things. It's a 670 unit kind of project in two markets, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Salem and Lexington, Kentucky to uh, all to all, all together. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Uh, what you like about the deal and some of the things that that's been going on. Yeah, no, absolutely, no. I appreciate you asking, man. And you're right. This is uh, DeRosa's largest deal ever. It's also our first portfolio deal. Um, you know, we could have broke it up. We, we saw a lot of benefits, a lot of opportunities. Bring it to our investors in one portfolio uh, deal. So, like you said, 670 units spread across five properties. Two of them in Winston Salem three of them in Lexington. Um, it is a 506C deal for accredited investors only. Um, we are putting on um, uh, fixed rate debt on it at acquisition. Um, so uh, counted about four, um, it's a $60 million purchase. Uh, 40 million is that the debt financing, 3.3% fixed rate. Um, that is interest only for the first three years. Um, and then we have a, a refi at year three um, at 4%. Um, we offer two classes of shares for the investors, a class A, a class B share. But what we like about these, uh, about this deal, MC, particularly on the Winston-Salem side, uh, again, very good location, not too far from the property that we bought in October of 2020, um, but it's been mismanaged. You know, I was down there a couple of months ago. The property's been mismanaged. Um, and because it's been mismanaged, that property um, does not have its rents currently operating at market rents. And that goes uh, for the units still that have not yet even been renovated. So you have about $220 to $230 upside in rents 
on the Winston-Salem leg of this portfolio alone. When you go ahead and you shift to the Lexington deals, the Lexington properties, there's three properties over there. Same thing, mismanaged, rent upside of about $70 to $90 each. Um, when we finish um, acquiring, when we finish um, uh, closing on this deal, we'll have about 565 units under management in Winston-Salem. We'll have just under 1,100 units under management in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, we are going, there's a neighborhood in Lexington, excuse me, called the Cardinal Valley. Um, we are going to be the dominant um, landlord, so to speak, in Cardinal Valley to the point where we'll be able to be the ones to set the rents because we'll own so many doors in that particular neighborhood. That gives you a lot of leverage with the property manager, gives you a lot of leverage with the contractors when you tell them, hey, listen, we need to go ahead and, you know, replace doors and floors at 1,100 units, you know, in this particular neighborhood, it makes a difference and people come calling. Um, so th those are some of the things that we like um, about the deal. There's an opportunity for us to reduce the utility expense because um, that hasn't been managed properly. And for the first time, um, typically on our deals in the past, um, there's always a return of capital event. Um, and there's typically two of them, one at year three, when we do a refinance, one at year 10, this is a 10 year hold as well, when we do the sale. For this particular deal, beyond those two capital events, the other capital events we have amount up anywhere between five and six. And that's because amongst these five properties, there are three loans, one that covers the two properties in Winston-Salem, one that covers the two properties in Lexington, and a third that covers the third property in Lexington. With each of these loans, we could call, put on what's called a supplemental loan. Think about a second mortgage, if you will. Yep. That suppl supplemental loan gives us another opportunity to return capital to investors. So by year three, we would have returned about 27% of capital to the investors. By year five, that goes up to about 45%. Um, that is not underwritten to our model. We're talking about how do we build on conservatism? We're not going out and promising our investors that, but we're telling the investors we have that flexibility to go ahead and do that for you uh, down the road. So that's what makes the deal really, really exciting. The um, uh, property managers are going to be the same property managers that manage our property in Winston-Salem, as well as the same property managers that currently manage our other properties in Lexington, Kentucky. So, and they're excited to be on board with us on this transaction. It's one of those things that uh, it's so well positioned because uh, we're already in those markets. So yes. the scalability is such a competitive advantage. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. That, I mean, Absolutely. if you look at it in that way, because of the success and the reputation and the well-established relationships in both, now you can scale it. Really. Now we can scale. Right. Yep. And let me tell you, that even helped us on the, on the debt financing, believe it or not. Um, uh, and, and, and that was a nice, pleasant surprise. And I mean surprise because we were not expecting that to help us out. Where now the lender's like, wait a minute, you guys already own in Winston-Salem, right? You guys already own in Lexington, right? So now they know that we have experience in those same markets, that we have relationships with property managers and contractors. So we are kind of proof of concept that's already out there. That makes the lender feel more comfortable, giving us bigger, uh, better terms on the loans. So there's there's about five ways more, more or less that investors can make income from uh, from from this. What are some of the the ways that investors in this deal uh, will generate income? Absolutely, no, great question. So you get a uh, as a Class B investor, Class A investor, excuse me, you get a nine percent preferred return. 
um, and you're in the deal for three years. At year three, you're completely exited out of the deal because we do a cash out refi in year three where we pay out the class A investors. Mm-hmm. The only investors left are the class B investors that hold on for 10 years. The class B investors, they get a 7% preferred return plus 70% of the property's cash flows that gets paid out to them on a quarterly distribution basis. Again, at year three, they get about 27% of their return um, return back to them. Um, and then year five supplemental loan. So you talk about the preferred return, the uh, per- percentage of the property's cash flows, the refinance, the uh, supplemental loan, and as well, the exit. And then let's not forget cost seg, if you want to talk about that uh, right now. Yeah, cost seg is, uh, is, is a great strategy to offset some taxes, which is something that, you know, if you're an investor looking for tax savings, uh, especially in this year, it's it's nice to nice to have an opportunity like that earlier in the year. But um, yeah, a- absolutely, those, those are great. Herve. thank you for sharing that. Um, by the way, information there's an informational webinar that's put together on this. If folks are interested in um, looking closer at this opportunity, it's for accredited investors. It'll be available at cashflowninja.com forward slash derosa d e r o s a. So go there. Um, and uh, there's there's a there's an uh, the form to complete, and then we'll send you the uh, the replay of the webinar where they talk a little more about the cost seg yep. and much much more all the other details if you're interested in this. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, it's been a blast uh, working with you, Hervé, and and just uh, yeah, being involved in and in seeing just all of the exciting things that's been going on with us. There's a lot of excitement within the team and, and obviously a lot yeah. of folks that are involved with this. Um, changing gears for a second, a core message in our show is to leave our families and communities in the world better than we found it. Um, by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them, to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Um, great question. You know, you don't always think about questions like these, um, but th- those answers should always be at top of mind um, if you are living your life in the in the same manner. So, um, th- th- what I would pass on as I pass on to to my, to my own kids um, is um, never quit. Don't give up. Never ever ever quit. Uh, perseverance uh, like crazy. Um, number two, uh, be a man or a person for other people. Um, that's just been a, a motto of mine for for as as long as I can remember, ever since I was a little kid. Um, and you know, number three, uh, be kind and give back. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I joined the DeRosa Group um, several years ago when I met with Matt and Justin, because their motto of DeRosa Group is transforming lives through real estate. And not only only are we transforming the lives of our investors, but I believe we're also transforming the lives of our tenants in the apartment complexes that we're purchasing because we're going in there and we are going ahead and improving um, their living conditions um, and hopefully their lifestyle and through apartment life, helping them, teaching them the basics, uh, building blocks of budgeting, savings, and investing. Um, and down the road one day, we're not there yet, but uh, ultimate goal is to go ahead and make some tenants, literally um, uh, equity owners within the buildings that they're living. I mean, how about that, right? So they can definitely can say that, hey, you know what? I'm a part owner 
fractional owner of this apartment complex where I'm currently living. So um, that's kind of like where I am, uh, so to speak, right now in my life and my stage. But it's it's perseverance. It's um, you know uh, be, being kind and 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 being a being being a man for others. Awesome. Uh, Hooray, this has been a blast. I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge with all of my listeners and viewers. Where can folks learn more about you? Where can they follow you and stay up to date of all the projects you're involved with? All right, listen, MC, thanks so much for having me on, man. This has been a blast. I really appreciate it. Um, They can find me at um, a couple places, derosagroup.com. Um, that's the company website. So you can find me there. Um, you can also find me on YouTube on my show, Market Hunter Thursday with Hervé. We interview a different guest every Thursday talking about investing in their particular city um, and whatnot. Um, you can f- also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I post there from time to time about things that we're working on. So, you know, any of those social media uh, avenues is where folks can reach out to me. Awesome. Thank you so much again. And thank you to you, the viewers and the listeners for spending most valuable resource your time once again with me on the show. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at cashflowninja.com, cashflowninja.com. And don't for, uh, forget to grab a copy of my book, The 21 Best Cashflow Niches, Creating Wealth in the Best Alternative Cashflow Investments, available on Amazon. Screenshot a purchase, uh, a proof of your receipt. Send it to my team at info at cashflowninja.com, and we'll get you the ticket to the magic, which is the bonus goodies, digital uh, book, audio book, and then a curated library of folks discussing uh, the niches. Um, that's And you can also just grab it at cashflowninja.com. Until next time, live infinitely. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.